0: For centuries, theologians and the preachers that listened to those theologians told the story this way. Adam and Eve in the garden were innocent of themselves and they were innocent of the knowledge of good and evil. And with the safe confines of that garden, all was provided for them. Adam and Eve were to ask no questions and be obedient to the rules outlined by their provider. And Adam and Eve are in this story is picked or pictured to be compliant, dependent, and that state is, was said to be holy, without knowledge of good and evil. That was paradise. This interpretation of the Garden of Eden story, and there is other interpretations, sanctions innocence, ignorance, and lack of self-consciousness. It teaches that a carefully contained life walled in by a providential God whom one is never to question, that's the good life. This primordial state of innocence was disrupted by the serpent's temptation of Eve. The serpent enticed her with a desire to taste forbidden fruit and seduced her that she would know good and evil to gain such knowledge however was to defy god to go against the will of the divine provisioner the consequences of this knowledge was punishing exile adam and eve were sent away from the garden in this interpretation to know the world in its goodness as well as its evil. To know ourselves capable of good and evil is alienation from God. And such theology is admirably suited for the preservation of compartmentalized, alienated state of mind. It teaches that goodness is aligned with ignorance and innocence. Furthermore, it teaches that a social structure in which one is abundantly provided for is to be embraced, not criticized, not questioned, certainly not analyzed. Affluence is a state of grace. This image comforts privileged people such as white middle-class Americans who benefit from economic structures that assures their thriving. And according to this story, one, one should accept privilege as a gift from an all-knowing God and never ask at what cost the walled-in garden is maintained. Never ask who or what might be outside of the garden. So Rebecca Parker writes, All of this in a way of confession. She asserts that she had grown up accepting an ethical version of this story in her own life, to remain protected, to remain innocent. She relates that she transitioned from childhood to youth to young adulthood being innocent, not knowing about the world, not knowing because she lived in isolation, uninvolved and unaware She was ignorant, ignorant of violence, even though her own sense of being safe depended on armed men acting as policemen and soldiers. She was innocent of violence that had cleared the land of the indigenous people, violence that would maintain the so-called law and order in a society where some had wealth, and some had poverty, violence that allowed the United States to claim so much power in the world. But she didn't see violence. She was innocent. She was ignorant of racism, even though her childhood eyes detected that there were people of color. They lived on a different side of town. They seemed to have less of the world's goods. In the parlance of the elders of the world, they were underprivileged. Pronounce those two words softly to yourself. Underprivileged. She knew the world of people like herself. White, middle, strata people. Even though there were considerable racial and ethnic diversity in the world all around her, surrounding her in Southwest Washington, she recalls that despite the fact that she lived in this innocent enclave, the real world was there for her to see. She could have seen it. She relates that in that place where she grew up, Southwest Oregon, included richly diverse communities, in her words. In addition to the community she knew, the white settlement of people who logged the forests, fished the waters, built wood frame houses warmed with steaming coffee in her words, there were other communities, the Makwa and Quinacolt and Paiute Indians. They lived not too far away, preserving indigenous ways of life against all odds. Chinese American cultural organizations in nearby Seattle nurtured Chinese institutions and traditions in the very heart of the city, and she knew nothing of it. Japanese Americans established temples and churches, landscape gardens shaped architectural styles, farmed the land. Mexican farm workers harvested apples in Yakima and Wechene and stayed to found Spanish-speaking towns. African-Americans established churches, neighborhoods, clubs, civic organizations all around her, and she didn't know any of that until she becomes an adult. Parker is confessing it was all there for her to see, but she did not see. She did not know. They were outside her garden. She was innocent. Innocent of the real world of diverse cultures and peoples. Innocent of the real struggles of these people. Innocent of what she did not know. It was as if she lived in the Garden of Eden. She had been brought up trained. Trained not to see. She writes that the enculturation and public education had narrowed my awareness of the country I lived in to the point of ignorance. The Chinese, African-American, Latin, Latina, Japanese, and First Nation peoples had largely not been included in my consciousness. She laments, I did not know the history of violence in my community just two centuries before, two, two, decades before I was born, two decades, Chinese workers in Seattle Waterfront had gone on strike for higher wages. The white majority beat back the strikers with sticks and guns, volunteered to beat back the strikers with sticks and guns. Just before I was born, she writes, the strawberry farms of Japanese Americans living in the Puget Sound Islands were seized on orders of General DeWitt, their land confiscated by the U.S. government. The Japanese Americans were taken away to concentration camps and uprooted to homesteads and communities. She relates that in her town, the Ku Klux Klan and the John Burt Society supported overt white supremacist agendas. The Burt Society's bright, large billboard It was right there on the highway, was there to see during her growing up years. But she didn't understand what it meant. So she just drove by it. The First Nations peoples went to court over and over again, seeking to secure the fishing rights and land sovereignty that were theirs by agreement. They were denied, but she did not know Rebecca Parker's socialization and education made her ignorant of her country and her people. Her people. Ignorant of her people. She lived in a constructed isolation, ignorant of all that was going on around her. The opinion leaders of her community, the white community in which she grew up, did not care about those non-white populations They had convinced themselves because they did not care that what was happening to those other communities, those other peoples were just other, other minorities, unimportant. The children were taught, the white children were taught this is the way it was, this is the norm. So Rebecca Parker's world was there on the one hand, a diverse population, all around her, many different cultures of people living right nearby, and on the other hand, she did not live in a multicultural community because the people did not know each other's cultures. People did not interact with each other. Diversity without interaction. Community is about caring. People are neighbors when they care for each other. The simple living proximate to each other doesn't make one neighbors. They had diversity but they did not live in that diversity. When we say we wish to be a multicultural community, when we say we would like to build a multicultural congregation, we are saying we want to live in a way in which all those cultures are known and appreciated not tolerated, known, and appreciated. Cultures are different from one another, but knowing the difference does not make for division, does not make for misunderstanding, knowing the difference does not create the differences, and if we appreciate the differences, it's the only way to become a multicultural community. Knowing. Knowing the pain of racism, emphatically responding to that pain, and joining in the work to end racism is what is required to know people in a racialized culture. And we are all living in this racialized culture. Innocence, being unaware, pretending that no violence and oppression have gone down, or pretending It was so long ago that it is past, and the past is the past. Means that a person does not wish to see the other person, for we are all living in the history we have been given. Living both the good and the bad of that history, and knowing that history is the only way to open that history and we must choose what we will do with what we are given. The kind of knowing is based on engagement. Knowing based on engagement. People working together, growing together. Parker uses the metaphor of to inhabit our country, to inhabit our country, implying that unless we are engaged with the people among whom we live, unless we know who they are, we, are the strangers after all they have we have believed ourselves to be the norm or they have believed themselves to be the norm when i hear the word minorities the majority and the minority the very word for me signifies who is the norm just hearing it minorities and who is the other and what is normal to say that one must know one's neighbor is to really inhabit the land, is to say that we who cling to innocence, who design not to know, are strangers in the land. Parker writes, because of my education cultivated in me and many others and ignorance rather than a knowledge of our country's history and peoples, I realized that I can begin to change things when I accept my power and responsibility to educate myself. Parker calls this deepening education, education beyond innocence. We live in a diverse society, but diversity is not given. If we wish to create a multicultural community free of racism and misunderstandings between people, we should think think deeply about what Parker recommends, deepening education. We need to admit that we have been taught based on an America that only exists in books. If we're not taught about the original peoples of this hemisphere, of the African-American people's experience in this hemisphere, of the peoples who speak Spanish, and the many lands of Asia, and all the others who I could not list because we need to have a benediction then we need to say that our education is lacking. Not preparing us for be citizens and participants of the society. And if we wish to see a community that is inclusive, that has overcome racism and mistrust between peoples, and we do not know something of the cultures around us, then that lack of knowing, that lack of knowing is the problem. Parker tells of this journey, She became acquainted with the actual country. She immersed herself in the primary texts of First Nation writers, Asian American writers, African American writers, Latino and Latina writers, and more, and thus became of the world beyond her isolated enclave. My friends, we live in a country of many peoples. If we together are to inhabit this land, we must overcome our ignorance of each other. To become a multicultural community is to become a community in which each culture speaks its message in its own voice. Enriching and informing the whole.